building a mixed use development or any kind of a development ground up, whether it's multifamily, single family, triple net, single tenant, triple net, strip center, anything commercial, multifamily, or even residential development, there's a lot of things you need to think about. So first of all, real estate development is a capital intensive uh, proposition. So it takes a lot of capital to do development. It takes patient capital, meaning you can't pay any returns while you're in the process and you got to lay a lot of money out for the due diligence process, the feasibility process, and all of the front end work that it takes to get all of your entitlements and permits. So depending on the size of a project, uh, you know, smaller projects can take 10 to $20,000 in uh, engineering, site planning, architecturals, permit fees, tap fees, things like that, uh, utility deposits, uh, utility relocations, you know, all those types of things before you ever even start to build. Uh, bigger projects, uh, you know, a $10 million development project, you could spend, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in a 30, $40 million project, you could spend, you know, um, anywhere from three to $500,000 on that front end process. So smaller projects around 100 to 200, bigger projects, three to 500. So it takes a lot of money just to get it up and going. So you need to make sure you've got those resources or you have access to those resources and then you need to be able to get good construction debt. Um, you know, construction debt is generally a little bit more expensive than any other kind of debt for stabilized properties because it does have a risk component to it. And there are a lot of uh, loan requirements when it comes to debt, the high velocity, high velocity loan requirements. Um, you know, for these types of projects. So, you know, there's certain loan to cost parameters that the lenders uh, from a regulatory standpoint have to adhere to. So uh, it does require down payment to do, uh, you know, or significant equity to do these deals. The land can serve as equity in a development deal. So if the land is paid for free and clear, that constitutes equity and the banks will ap uh, apply their own value to it. They're not going to take your value. It doesn't matter what you paid for it or what you think it's worth. They're going to do an appraisal and they're going to value it how they value it. And that's just how it is. So, uh, so you got to be prepared for all that. So when you're looking at a development project, no matter what it is, whether it's a spec house, a mixed use development, commercial building, strip center, warehouse, whatever you're developing, storage facility, you got to start with the end in mind. Number one, you want to have multiple exits, uh, multiple exit strategies. You want to be able to sell it, lease it, rent it, um, you know, have multiple exits, refinance it, whatever it is. Um, at your disposal so that you've, you've got a number of opportunities uh, to exit that property or to refinance it if the market uh, does not do what you think it's going to do, if the property does not generate the returns you're looking at. And if you can't sell it, you got to be able to do something with it, rent it, lease it, refinance it, keep it. Uh, so you always want to look at that. If your strategy is to sell, you want a backup plan. So that's first and foremost. So when you're looking at that, you got to take the end value of the property if it's a sell uh, and you got to take the income potential if it's a hold. Uh, so you should, you need to look at it that way anyways, just to make sure you always want to have a break even of about 50%. So in a fire sale situation if the property, um, gets into a, you know, if the market changes and we get into a distressed market situation and values are going down, you want to be able to fire sale it to get your money back. So you got to be able to underwrite it to that level. So you want a 30 to 40% margin in your cost to be able to break even on a fire sale. Uh, if you're looking at a rental uh, projection. You want to be able to hold the property even if you lose half your income. So you want to have a 50% discount on your projections there. That's your worst case scenario. That's not what you present to the lenders, but that's what you underwrite yourself. You always paint a much better picture for the lenders and the appraisers, not being dishonest, but you know, obviously uh, going for 
uh, maximizing the opportunities based on where the market is today. So you start with that first and foremost, is the project feasible financially? Then you work it backwards from there, subtract your development cost for the building, for the property, for the vertical, the sticks and bricks and, you know, uh, site work, surface parking, things, uh, things like that, stormwater utilities, all that kind of stuff. Then you back out your development cost, uh, site work, you know, the utility site work, things like that. And then you're going to back your land cost out. And then you want to have yourself a 20 to 30% margin for a cushion. The higher, the better, um, you know, the margin, the better, the better chances are that you're going to be able to withstand any kind of uh, mistakes or market conditions or changes or cost overruns or whatever happens. So you just never know. The longer the project goes, the more at risk you are. So you want to make sure you've got a good margin, good cushion to be able to weather any kind of a unforeseen situation. Of course, you're going to have a contingency in your budget. Um, you're going to have contractor um, escalations in your budget that's factored in. So uh, you're going to try to anticipate as much of that as possible. So uh, that's one thing. And the first place you want to start is the financial feasibility. Once you determine the numbers are going to work, then you got to start checking the zoning, make sure the property's zoned, which you don't want to check that first and foremost anyways, but, uh, you want to make sure the property's zoned. You want to make sure that the development, uh, environment, the development climate is, uh, developer friendly, uh, unless, you know, if there's going to be a battle and there's going to be opposition to your project, you have to anticipate a lot of legal fees and time to deal with that. But it's always best to try to work in a develop developer-friendly environment where people um, encourage development, the municip municipalities and the public. Getting tongue twisted here. Um, you want to make sure that they're on board with it, that they are development-friendly, that they are forward-looking, and they they want to see development of their community. And you want to make sure it's appropriate for what's around it. You don't want to get into a battle with a bunch of homeowners um, over a project that's just not the right fit for the area and create a problem. So. You want to make sure that you're doing what fits in the area, that you're getting along with your neighbors and that you're finding projects that are appropriate for the environment and uh, that the area in, in and of itself is development friendly. As a developer, you're going to have thick skin. You're going to have opposition no matter what you do. You're going to have critics no matter what you do. So it's a it's a tough business in a lot of ways. So you just got to be prepared for that. Uh, you'll have a big target on your back as a developer. So that's just the way it is. So uh, once you determine that the zoning is right, you do the financial feasibility, then you start digging in and you start uh, doing your due diligence, checking the requirements uh, in order to get the property approved. So if you have to rezone it, you want to know what that is, what the time frame is, what it's going to cost, how long it's going to take, what kind of meetings are required, who do you have to get approval from in terms of the city, county, municipalities, neighborhoods uh, and any other organizations and what the public hearing process looks like. Um, also, if it is a buy right um, process, then you've got to maximize the property and look at what can, what can you do within the rules and regulations. So you got to study that, vet all that, talk to the city, the town, your engineers and find out what your uh, road accesses look like. Are there any environmental issues, water quality issues, you know, DWQ, um, environmental natural resources, um, you know, stormwater, any of that kind of stuff that you have to deal with that are going to be issues or a concern. What are the access to utilities? What's it going to take to get utilities to the property? Are they already there? Are there any power lines, power poles, anything like that that you have to relocate and deal with with the power company? Uh, things like that. And do you have to put any kind of feeder roads in, turn lanes, curb cuts, anything like that? If you need a curb cut, can you get one? It's not always assumed that you can. Uh, if you've got off um, uh, or on-street parking, off-site parking, you want to make sure you understand what that is and what the rules are there. And uh, obviously your parking requirements, lot coverage, setbacks, height restrictions, you know, all those types of things. And then architecturals. Are there any design standards that you have to adhere to? And what's the, how's that going to impact the cost and the budget? So uh, those are just some of the things that you want to look at and look into when you're doing development, no matter what it is. House, commercial building, 
uh, multifamily building, whatever it is, understand what all is required, where the, where the utilities are coming from, how that impacts the building and the design and the setup, all those types of things. You don't want to get down the road, building's done, and all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, the power needs to come in on the other side of the building, and you've set everything up on the, the wrong side of the building. So uh, make sure you know what's going on, what's required, and where, uh, thorough due diligence before you ever even put that property under contract. And then, of course, you do not want to close on the land until you get all your approvals, entitlements, permits, everything in place uh, to move forward. And uh, you know that you can break ground and start building your project because anything can and will happen during the approval process. You can get down zoned at any minute. So tie your purchase price to the density or the capacity or the value that you think you're going to ultimately get out of the project so that you don't end up overpaying for a property that gets down zoned. And you thought you could build 100 units, you can only build 50 and you're still paying the same for the land. You don't want to do that. What you want to do is you want to tie the land up, tie the value, uh, what you're paying to the land, to the value of what your end product is going to be. Um, that's a real simple formula to do, whether it's units, whether it's dollars, whatever it is. Uh, make sure you do that. And if the landowner wants to participate, you do the same thing. You tie the value of the land in um, based on the value of the back end and the land gets contributed at a factor that makes sense in a ratio there. And maybe I'll do another video on that at some point. But um, but anyways, that is the development process, how it works and what you need to think about before you ever enter into a contract or an LOI for a, a parcel of land. And then once you've satisfied the due diligence and the financial feasibility, then you can start your LOI process, give yourself plenty of time for approvals, um, tie the closing to the building permit, and make sure that you have all your ducks in a row, all your permits in place, and you're ready to break ground before you close.